there, fellow sojourners, and welcome back to another edition of Appropriate in the Culture. On today's episode, we answer some criticism from last week's episode on the Respect for Marriage Act, so buckle up for a lengthy rebuttal. I'm Pastor Shane, and I'll be your polemicist today as we appropriate some culture. So last week's video irked one Mr. Nick Shim enough that he left this comment, quote, If the vested interest in marriage was something like procreation, then why should we tie so many unrelated rights to marriage? Why would procreation matter when you can procreate outside of marriage just as easily? As a society, we need to offer something to give gay people those rights, and you are clearly unwilling to do so. That is the only reason why people care about marriage currently, the rights afforded. No one jumps into marriage for some philosophical societal beliefs about children. We do it because humans are social beings who are geared towards monogamous romantic relations. If these relations fail, we then have a lot to lose. Gay marriage just proves that we marry for that reason. I mean, what would be the point of any non-childbearing couple marrying if that was true? Feelings alone don't cause me to give up half my wealth, lol. Marriage has, and always will be, a secular contractual agreement. That process has just been institutionalized and governed now. There is no one religion or ethic group that invented the idea of marriage. You have yet to coherently answer how gay marriage devalues straight marriage. Won't anyone think of the children isn't answer. Divorce has gone down since gay marriage legalized. This is why your viewpoint will never be popular again. It's clearly based on dying dogma and not facts. You start from a position and find facts to fit that position. Okay, so there's a lot there and I want to address it bit by bit here. So let's start back at the beginning. If the vested interest in marriage was something like procreation, then why should we tie so many unrelated rights to marriage? What rights are you talking about? Marriage is not a natural right. It's not a violation of your human rights if no one wants to marry you. You're not owed it. It's not an inalienable right endowed by our creator. It's not an enumerated right in our constitution. And if it's a violation of our civil rights to define marriage, well, then we got a problem because we still do define marriage and have always defined marriage for literally all of human history. Certain unions are precluded. You don't have a right to marry a 10-year-old. You don't have a right to marry your sibling. You don't have a right to marry multiple people. And up until about five minutes ago, you didn't have a right to marry a member of the same sex. Marriage is not a natural right. It's not an enumerated right. And we have and do put restrictions on what does and what does not constitute a marriage. But what I think you mean when you say right is laws. We have laws that are tied to marriage. But you are mistaken if you think that those are untethered to the societal vested interests in marriage. Next. Why would procreation matter when you can procreate outside of marriage just as easily? The vested interest of society is not simply procreation. It's procreation that produces emotionally, physically, psychologically healthy future generations to be productive members of society. What we have found through a mountain of empirical data is that out-of-wedlock births are deleterious to society. According to the National Fatherhood Initiative, children who live without their biological fathers are, on average, at least two to three times more likely to be poor, to use drugs, to experience educational, health, emotional, and behavioral problems, to be victims of child abuse, and to engage in criminal behavior than their peers who live with their married, biological, or adoptive parents. A Princeton University study was summarized this way by the Huffington Post. Most children born out of wedlock aren't okay. Here's some excerpts from that. 
A fragile family is defined very simply as a family in which the mother and father are unmarried at the time of their child's birth. Whereas 40 years ago, the number of children born to unwed parents was around 10%, the current figure now stands at 41%. Led by a team of researchers from Columbia and Princeton universities, the study followed approximately 5,000 children born in large cities in the U.S. between 1998 and 2000 to investigate family dynamics, the well-being of the child, the ongoing consequences of unstable partnerships, and what role, if any, policy should play in addressing them. There is some debate over whether unmarried partnerships are a negative outcome at all, or whether they are a sign of progress, reflecting the increasing economic independence of women and the trend toward individual freedom. However, results of the study conclude that compared with traditional families, parents of fragile families are more likely to have become parents in their teens, more likely to have had children with other partners, more likely to be poor, suffer from depression, struggle with substance abuse, and to have been incarcerated. So yes, you're right, Nick, you can procreate out of wedlock. But society has no vested interest in that because all of the data indicates that is harmful to society. We don't want future generations to perpetuate cycles of poverty, substance abuse, academic failure, depression, and crime. So our laws foster and encourage marriage because demonstrably that union produces emotionally, physically, psychologically healthy future generations that are productive members of society. And that's the vested interest. Next. As a society, we need to offer something to give gay people those rights, and you are clearly unwilling to do so. That is the only reason why people care about marriage currently, the rights afforded. Sheer and total nonsense. There's nothing, even before Obergefell, that would prohibit gay people from drawing up private contracts, emergency contact, medical power of attorney, living will, essentially civil unions. People are not getting married because of the rights afforded. No, they want marriage for exactly what Joe Rogan said. It makes them feel good. They want to be validated. They want their sexuality validated. Now, maybe some people want the tax breaks, but that goes back to the first point. The tax code is to encourage and foster marriage because society wants that union to produce emotionally, physically, psychologically healthy future generations that are productive members of society. That's the vested interest. Society has no vested interest in gay marriage because it doesn't produce that. But what about adoption? Gay couples can adopt. Yeah. You can also adopt if you marry your brother or your toaster. That doesn't mean your marriage should get tax breaks. Next, no one jumps into marriage for some philosophical societal beliefs about children. True, but that's not the argument. Also, nobody starts a business or expands their business for some philosophical societal belief about GDP. But our public policy is concerned with GDP. We as a society have a vested interest in the economy broadly. And so our policies foster and encourage investment, growth, and startup. And it's exactly the same thing with marriage. Next. We do it because humans are social beings who are geared towards monogamous romantic relations. If these relations fail, we will then have a lot to lose. Gay marriage just proves that we marry for that reason. I'm not sure that we're geared toward monogamous romantic relations, and neither does Psychology Today, in which they proclaim, quote, monogamy is not natural for human beings. So the opposite of what you said. But what's their reasoning? Quote, given that 80% of early human societies were polygamous, why did later populations become largely monogamous? Science has no answer to that, apparently, although there are theories, as you might expect. One of them has to do with the two-parent advantage to monogamy in caring for the young. Even in evolutionary terms, the leading theory to support monogamy is procreation and child-rearing. 
which is totally unnatural to gay unions. Next, I mean, what would be the point of any non-childbearing couple marrying if that was true? Feelings alone don't cause me to give up half of my wealth, lol. Again, you're confusing personal reasons with societal interest, and feelings don't cause you to give up half your wealth. Laws cause you to do that. If you were to get divorced, you probably wouldn't feel like dividing up half your wealth, and the reason that our laws ought to be that way is to encourage people not to get divorced because we have a vested interest in marriage, which is not tailored to your personal reasons. Next. Marriage has and always will be a secular contractual agreement. That process has just been institutionalized and governed now. That is not even almost true. Virtually all societies throughout human history have been religious, and marriages within those societies involve religious ritual and ceremony. Even in our secular age, all kinds of irreligious people get married in churches and have ministers officiate. Next, there is no one religion or ethic group that invented the idea of marriage. Well, that would lead us to believe that its source is transcendent. That fits my worldview, not yours. Your idea is that marriage is completely a secular, man-made enterprise. And if it's man-made, then surely some man made it. Or you might say, invented it. It's got to have originated from somewhere, some tribe, some group, and they probably were religious, as I can't think of any ancient civilization that it wasn't. Next. You have yet to coherently answer how gay marriage devalues straight marriage. Won't anyone think of the children isn't answer. Divorce has gone down since gay marriage legalized. Well, you're right that divorce has gone down, but that's mostly because fewer and fewer people are even getting married. Can't get divorced if you're not married. By all data and metrics, our marriage rates are totally collapsing. The New York Times put out an article entitled, The Married Will Soon Be the Minority, which is also what we said last week. Here's Matt Walsh. The more that we build a society like that, I think the, that's where the harm comes in, the, wor the worse it is. And people are going to reject marriage, um, and, uh, and that means more, you know, fewer kids are being born. Also, more kids are being born in a context where they don't have that stable family structure. So the harm definitely comes. Correct. When I said correct, I meant correct. The marriage rate plummeting is harmful to society. We already looked at the harm of out-of-wedlock births, but the lower marriage rates also leads to a decline in birth rates, which makes all of our social safety nets untenable. Medicare, Social Security require future generations to pay for the older generations. You have to offset that birth decline with massive immigration, but massive immigration can also destabilize nations. And marriage rates produce economic woes, as the New York Times even outlines. So my coherent argument against gay marriage is that it devalues marriage, and the net effect of devaluing marriage has broad societal harm. Next. This is why your viewpoint will never be popular again. It's clearly based on dying dogma and not facts. You start from a position and find facts to fit that position. Not popular, oh no. Why, it's almost as if broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate, Nick, and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. It's better to be on the right side of God than the right side of history. And even then, I would have caution. Divorce, out of wedlock births, declining marriage rates, declining birth rates, that doesn't bode well for the health of our society. And a crumbling, sick, and dying West may not be able to repel a rising China. Remind me again, how does communist China feel about homosexuality? You have no idea where history is going, and you might be on the wrong side of it quicker than you think. But when it comes to dogma and facts, I've laid out the case, but the burden of proof is not on me. It's on you. You are the one redefining marriage. The burden is therefore on you to prove that it will not be harmful and deleterious to our society. I'm adhering to a definition of marriage that's been held for thousands of years. You're the radical. 
The burden is on you. I didn't see evidence from you. I didn't hear a limiting principle. Why not polygamy? Why not polyamory? Why isn't a woman marrying a ghost equally valid? You can ground marriage in religious dogma, or you can attempt to ground it in the broader vested interests of society. But gay marriage is contrary to religious dogma, and its betterment of society is exactly the same as a woman marrying a ghost. But I do appreciate the comment, Nick. And if you would like to leave me a comment, you can do so. Also, like, subscribe, share, rate, review the podcast, leave a five-star review, follow me on Instagram, join my author's Facebook page, and I'll see you next week for more Appropriate in the Culture. (laughs) 